feel let them feel your thankfulness Hey, 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 hey. All right, why don't we bring, go ahead, bring it on in. I hope that you uh, feel thankful to be here this afternoon. I feel honored to preach one of our uh, last afternoon services for the time. It's going to be good to move to a morning service, amen? Because um, I, I know that the afternoon brings with it kind of a lull of energy, right? And as Brian alluded, a lot of us are coming off the Thanksgiving feast and maybe feeling that right now. But I'm going to ask you guys to stay with me for the next 30 minutes. Amen? Stick with me on this. So I hope that standing up, giving a, giving a hug to somebody, made you feel thankful. Maybe you, maybe you uh, felt a little insecure about a couple of pounds you added this weekend, but hopefully you felt good. Um, you know, I had a great Thanksgiving. I got a chance to go surfing first thing in the morning with uh, Martin and Roel. Just got baptized. We went out, hit the waves in El Porto. Um, got a chance to do a lot of good eating at the in-laws' house, um, and went out, went out and saw a movie. Really stupid movie. Just ask me about it later. Don't go see it. Um, it wasn't Twilight. I, I saw that one the week before, and uh, uh, as I was walking out of the restaurant to go see it, Todd said. Todd Rankin told me, hey, you know, I'll give you your man card back when you get out. And I said, all right, all right. I didn't, but what I should have said was, Todd, I'll give you yours back once you stop crying about the Oregon and USC game. I just got to burn him. He's a friend of mine. But, but everyone loves a good Thanksgiving, right? It really just, it, it does something for us. And we all know the good cooks in our family, Right? We also all know the bad cooks in our family. And, and we know what, which courses to kind of avoid. Uh, but when we are forced to eat some really awful food, what we say is, can you please pass the salt? Right? Because salt brings flavor. Um, you know, too much salt isn't a good thing, but the right amount of salt is really a good thing. And what we're going to talk about... Today is the salt of the earth, Jesus' teachings on the salt of the earth. And I just want to share that this personally, studying this out, has really challenged my discipleship. Uh, it's challenged me all, for the last week that I've been meditating and looking at these scriptures and doing research. I've really, really had to question my own convictions, motivations, my discipleship to Jesus. And it's been very provoking. I feel provoked by God. And I, I honestly feel unworthy and coming from a point of weakness to preach this today. But I hope that you get something out of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you, uh, God, for Jesus. Thank you as we, uh, as we looked at the video uh, today, God, that, Father, you really have washed away our sins. Uh, you've given us a brand new life through the blood of Christ. and uh, God, you, you've changed us. You've transformed us. Thank you, God, for Christ. Thank you for the teachings of Christ. Thank you for the powerful leader that Jesus is, to lead each of our lives. 
God, I pray that as we look at the scriptures today, uh, we're moved by his words, uh, we're called to his discipleship, and uh, Father, that, that really we come out of here recognizing the, the, the value, the power of our presence in the people's lives around us. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd please be with us as we look at the scriptures, be with me as I uh, share, God, let your spirit really speak through me, it's in Jesus' name, amen. You know, salt of the earth. Uh, this is a teaching that Jesus shares in three out of the four Gospels. Uh, in Mark 9, 50, he says, Have salt among yourselves. Talking about this concept. In Luke 14, 34, he just says, Salt is good. In Matthew 5, 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth. Salt, or sodium chloride, it has a long history and many uses. And I'm sure this is not a new concept that many of you have heard preached before. Uh, but I, I hope that it's, I can shed a little new light on it. Um, you, it's been used for flavoring, obviously. Uh, it's been used to preserve meat before refrigeration, right? Uh, it was used in the Old Testament to destroy whole lands. When, they, when Abimelech took over in Judges 9, he, just, he, he poured salt all over the earth, all over the field, so that nothing would grow. Because salt in large clumps, condensed like that, it, it literally takes all the nutrients out of the soil. And you can't, you can't grow anything there. But Jesus doesn't say, you're the salt of the meat. Right? He doesn't say, you're the salt that is, goes on your tongue to, to be flavorful. And he doesn't say, you're the salt that destroys the earth. Rather, he says, you are the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. I want to read a quick article here for you. Uh, I've done some research on not spiritual websites, but more agricultural websites. It says, common salt, sodium chloride, is probably the oldest chemical fertilizer. And yet little or nothing, known, or nothing seems to be known about how and why it acts. The recognition of the manurial uses of salt dates back to the very earliest recorded times. There are many allusions to its use in the Old Testament and in the New According to writers such as Pliny, uh, it was well known as manure in Roman Italy. The Persians and the Chinese are recorded as having used it from time immemorial as a fertilizer, particularly for dates. The old gardener's measure was a cubic inch of salt for the square yard of soil. So I kind of want to help you think through this a little bit. And, and as I kind of thought through it, it took me a little while to kind of grasp this concept. But what Jesus is saying is that you are the fertilizer. You are the fertilizer of the earth. This word soil in the Greek that he uses, it's the same word that he uses when he talks about the parable of the seed and the sower and the good soil. He's saying, you are the salt to be spread out. And salt, when used in a small portion and spread out on the soil, actually works as an incredible fertilizer. It's kind of counterintuitive, but that's what Jesus says. He says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown out. So he's saying what it should be fit for is the soil or the manure pile. You guys with me on that? So, this is kind of how the math goes. Salt, that's us, we're the disciples. We fertilize the soil, the hearts of men, 
to receive the Word of God. Salt, us, we're sent to fertilize the hearts of men to receive the Word of God. I have two points today. You are the fertilizer. Feel good about it. Just, let's just say it to ourselves right now. I am the fertilizer. Alright, yeah, somebody said, you are the fertilizer, pointing to me. You are the fertilizer, and you're called to keep your saltiness. Amen? Matthew 5.13 You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You know, the Bible is teaching, and Jesus is teaching, that you're there to prepare the soil. That your influence as a disciple is there to tend to the soil of men's hearts. And this is a lost art, because I'm sure many of you have never heard that salt was used as a fertilizer. It's a lost art, but we can't let our discipleship and the presence of our discipleship in the lives of others become a lost art. Amen? I heard the family ministry is doing a great job at this. Family ministry, you guys here? Uh, I heard that the Essential Eight has gone incredible. And that you guys have had over 45 friends and visitors come and hear the Word of God and get spiritually influenced by Jesus through your presence. And I salute you. It's incredible what you're doing. You know, I appreciate the singles. I love my singles ministry. And me and my wife, we get to, we get to work with the singles here in the South Bay uh, with Marco and Michelle and the Shumps and the Noriegas. Uh, my wife... I'm so grateful I married a disciple. Uh, we, my wife was sharing her faith with some of her coworkers and inviting them out to some of our events. And she shared with one of the guys. And the guy said, well, are there, are there single ladies going to be there? And she said, she said, yeah, but they won't date you if you're not a Christian. And she said, besides that, that's not why you should go. If you want to know about God, that's why you should come. I said, amen, baby. That's, that's, that's why I married you. You know, she's preparing the salt. She's preparing the soil for the Word. The family ministry is preparing the soil for the Word of God to be planted. And as disciples, we're sent to prepare the soil for the Word of God to be planted. What are you talking about with your coworkers Over your Thanksgiving corporate party or your business party, what did you talk about with your coworkers? Brothers, are, are sports the most exciting thing that you have to talk about? Or are you, do you have the guts to bring up a spiritual conversation with your coworkers? What, what are you talking about with your family members over this holiday? Sisters, is the, is the kids the most exciting thing that you have to talk about? Or work? Or are you willing to step out in faith and bring up some spiritual conversations? Jesus is counting on us to be the salt. We can't just rest on the surface of our relationships, right? We've got to get in. We've got to be willing to soak into the soil, to get into people's hearts and lives. It's hard work. It gets messy. I'm sure the people who helped you become a Christian felt like, man, this is messy. I know they felt like that for me. I was a mess. But I'm grateful that people were willing to dig down deep, to get in there, to tend to the soil of my heart so that God's Word could be firmly planted in it. You guys with me right here? How do you do that? Well, inviting people to church is a great way to start. How are you doing, disciple, in sharing your faith? 
How are you doing? It's awkward. Not a lot of people talk about going to church when you're at the gym or you're at the grocery store. I was at uh, uh, Sam Ash the other day. And, you know, I invited the guy to church and he kind of just looked at me like, what? This is a guitar shop. What? Like, you, you, people, don't, people don't talk about that. But how are you doing in sharing your faith? It's a great way to start spiritual conversations. Asking the tough questions, you know, with, especially now with the holidays around, you're going to be around religious people in your family. Uh, I'm so grateful uh, for the upbringing that I got as a child that, that my parents had a Christian faith. But my, Christ, my parents admittedly have drifted far from that original faith that they've had. And as a disciple, I've, I've planted seeds and I've worked on it over the years, the last eight years of sharing and starting conversations and them going really good and then going back to not so good and, you know, over and over and going back in there and trying and sometimes feeling like I don't want to do this anymore, but then getting back in there and trying. And, you know, my parents have both been studying the Bible with our church in, uh, in Springfield in Massachusetts the last uh, couple of months and they're getting, they're getting close. I'm praying that there's a, there's a big shift here in the next couple of weeks. We're going out to see them uh, for the holiday. But my mom, <laughs> I'm going to get emotional. Gosh, so easy to get emotional in front of people. Um, my mom said, you know, she just thanked me the other day. She said, thank you for your tenacity. Because I didn't let up on my mom. She's, she was a little bit harder to move. <laughs> my dad's a little softer hearted at times, but, but I... I kept in there. How are you doing in the conversations that you're having with your family this holiday season? Are you willing to go for it? To get in there one more time with your family. See yourself as a fertilizer for God. For this week, this month, you're around the people you're around to fertilize their hearts, to soften their hearts, to tend to the heart. Are you guys with me? People need to see your lives. They need to see your actions. They need to see the scriptures in your life before you preach it to them, right? You are the salt of the earth. I, I want to give you a couple of practicals. This holiday season, don't, ser- don't be served, but serve. That's who you're following, right? The Son of Man came not to serve, but to, I mean, not to be served, but to serve. And so this holiday season, if you're a disciple, I want to encourage you, be the first to clean up the dishes. Be the first to do the dishes, to clean off the table, to, to get people's coats, to, to start the conversations, but be the servant. Even if it's in your house, or if it's in your parents' house, but be the servant when you're around your family this, this, this holiday season. I appreciate the sisters in our, our singles ministry, Maisha, Ruthie, Lupita, Kike. They opened up their home for us to have about 55 people in their house the other Friday night. And we had a big Thanksgiving dinner, and it was amazing. It was awesome. Uh, but about 15 of those people were just friends and visitors. It was so incredible just to open up their home, to share a meal together, and for them to just see our lives. For them to see our love for one another. For them to have the conversations that didn't involve jokes about immorality, or didn't involve you know, what, what you know, shameful things we did that weekend, or didn't involve... Racist comments, or you know, just was out, we're out of this world. We were salting the relationships around us. You know, you're there to provide nutrients to the hearts of those around you. Some of us, and I'm going to say this: some of us need to wake up. 
I felt this. When I studied these scriptures out, I thought, man, there's something spiritually within me that needs to wake up. We have the cure for the world's spiritual cancer. We have grace, freedom from shame and guilt. We have the kingdom of God. We have the answer. Are you fertilizing the soil around you? What are your conversations about with people? Are you complaining mostly? But I think some of us need to wake up to this concept that God is counting on us. And Jesus says some very powerful things about if we don't. And we're going to look at that here in a minute. You know, Jesus says salt is good. We're to be the good in this life, in this generation. Teens, you're to be the good in your school. High school is not a good place. I was not a disciple when I was in high school. And, you know, I, I barely got through it, first of all. And secondly, you know, a, a lot of times I was just, I was more focused on the sin that I could get involved with. And what happened is those, those patterns through those years really set me up for the next stage of my life to just, the patterns just increased. And it got darker and it got more empty. And man, it was hard. I applaud you for being a spiritual light, a beacon, the salt in your school. But be the salt, be the good. The Bible says in Philippians 2 that in this wretched, this reckless, this depraved generation, you guys shine like stars. You're a shining star. You know what I'm talking about? You guys shine like stars. Shine like stars, amen? Your attitudes, your work ethic, your encouragement, your selfishness, do you stand out? Do people at your workplace know, not just you're a good moral guy, or you go to church on Sundays and you have a nice family, but are you a disciple of Jesus and they know it? Do they feel the love from you? Do they feel the humility from you and how you handle work conflicts? Do they feel it from you? Are, they, are, are you speaking to their hearts? Are you asking questions about their family that go deeper than how the kids do at the basketball game this weekend? Are you getting into people's hearts and lives? Do you stand out? See yourself as salt of the earth, the fertilizer. It means you must be spread out. You know, salt as a fertilizer, when clumped together, will kill the seeds and will starve the soil of the nutrients. It's meant to be spread out. Are your only spiritual conversations with disciples? Are they only on Sundays, Wednesdays, and small group night? Is that, is that the, the breadth of your spiritual conversations? I had to ask myself these questions. An interesting article I want to share here with you guys. This is from the Mainline Church of Christ. It was, it was put out in the early 80s by a, a brother in the church, uh, Ruel Lemons. But he says, it's a strange and almost sacrilegious thing to say, but we do not look forward to too much growth in the majority of our presently existing congregations during the next two decades. True, populations will shift and a few will grow, largely at the expense of others. But our church plans are, now not, are not now oriented towards church growth. We would not be afraid to prophesy that more of our congregations that exist today will die than will grow in the next 20 years. We mean really grow, not just swell. 
This is not to prophesy that the church as a whole will not grow. We believe it will, but it will grow from church plantings rather than church building. We are doing practically nothing to build churches and it seems bent and seem bent on crucifying the churches that are. The churches grow from church planting and we have just about quit planting churches. We are educating our young preachers to fill existing pulpits rather than to plant churches. The number of preachers we have or need is related by the number of existing pulpits rather than by the world's need for the gospel. The average church is reducing its interest in for others and proclaiming a doctrine of for us. We've even heard recently an elder say that the church's first duty was to itself. We fear for a church with this philosophy. Search the annals of of history and you will find that God never let a church grow at home that lost its interest in the Great Commission. The church's first duty is to preach the gospel and plant churches, not to satisfy selfish wants. Whatever church growth there is in the next 20 years will come from the relatively few congregations that are interested in church planting. When the preaching ministry of the church is centered in professional ministering to people-pleasing groups in job security and fringe benefits, then the church will die. Preachers ought to be taught to create pulpits rather than fill them. If surveys are correct, over 18,000 congregations have shrunk to less than 10,000 in the last 20 years or so. If there was an ounce of church planting vision among us, we could turn this around, those 10,000 congregations, into 20,000 in the next 20 years. So as long as it takes 6,000 members of a church to send out one missionary, we, will probably, we probably won't plant 10,000 churches. This is the problem that every church should search their souls over. There is only one reason in the world, so far as we can see, why churches have quit growing. They have lost their church planting zeal and have taken up housekeeping operations. Jesus cursed the fig tree because it bore nothing but leaves. We have so many barren churches and so little fruit. This is a grave danger that the Lord might curse us with the jealousy and division until we die out. Then he might raise up in our place a people who would be in Israel of God. He's done it before. You know, it's encouraging to know that we are a church that's growing. Amen? But I think we need to take a sober estimate. We're a church that's growing. And I'm going to share a couple of really cool, really exciting stories that are happening in our fellowship of churches. But I think we need to take an estimate that if we're going to grow as a church, if we're going to send out people, are you going to go? Are you going to go? Are you willing to go plant a church? Are you willing to spread yourself out? Are you willing to be used up for the kingdom of God? Are you going to go? You know, we're a growing church, but we we must not let the church become so self-focused that we lose the heart of being sent. We're sent by Jesus, first and foremost. We're the salt of the earth to be spread out on the earth. Now, i got some examples here from uh, disciplestoday.com of different mission teams that have been sent out. Some really encouraging stuff. Uh, this is from the Atlanta church. Kit Cummings started a Bible talk in a prison and has baptized seven men over the last two years. This is as of June 2011. He's being sent. He sees himself as sent. In the Annapolis, Maryland church, uh, in April 2010, a 14-member mission team from the Baltimore church was sent out. I want to read this to you because this was uh, six married couples, four singles, and nine children. 
that went and moved to go start a church. This is from the brother in the Annapolis church. It says, It is incredible to see how God has worked in the hearts of the disciple in Annapolis over the last six months. We've enjoyed huge potluck feasts together, prayed together, served in the community. The married couples enjoyed date nights. The singles have focused on several local spots and restaurants where they're well known. Some of the disciples have joined local sports teams and others are of addition to perform locally. Through all this, we have shared the love of Christ along the way invited our new friends to join us. The disciples have also led several Bible discussions weekly in our Annapolis areas for students, singles and married couples and families. And when this was updated, uh, they had already baptized seven people. It's encouraging. In Athens, Georgia, they're sending out a missions team to go start a new, new church in North Carolina. And they're just asking for people to go. You know, we've planted the, the MOE ministry and we've asked people to move, and people have, it's growing. Things are exciting over there. But what about us? What about us here in the South Bay? What about you? What about me? Would we be willing to go? These were not all staff members. These were kids, nine kids, you know, six married couples, four singles. Singles, would you go? Family ministry, would you go? Jesus is saying you're the salt of the earth. You're sent. You've got to see yourself as sent. Amen? Uh, this is a cool thing I just want to uh, hip you guys to. DisciplesAdventure.net It's connecting disciples of all ages from campus to empty nesters. Empty nesters, you guys here? I know there's some. Um, to, and seniors in high school with churches around the world that are calling for help. So what happens is churches register on this website and they go, hey, we need this many people for this many months. Anybody willing to come and volunteer can come. Anybody. You can go. You can go serve for a year or three months or six months or whatever you can do. And there are churches from all over the world. The need is great. You're being sent by Jesus to be spread out. Are you guys with me? Are you spreading yourself out or are you clumping together? When we clump together, we choke out the nutrients. We choke out the Spirit of God. We choke out the Word of God. If we clump our gifts and our talents, we kill the church and those around us because we refuse, we refuse to disperse ourselves. It isn't enough to wait for others to come to us. We must go. Brothers and sisters, if you see yourself as salt to fertilize the soil around you, invite people to church. Invite people to church. Ask people to study the Bible. Plant seed, water it. But you are the salt of the earth. Jesus is saying, you're sent. I'm sending you. You guys are quiet. I really felt challenged when I studied this because I thought, man, am I really willing to go or kind of do I like my life and my comfort zone and the things that I have? I have a really good life. I thank God for it all the time. And if, you know, I, I even, I go, man, if I wasn't, you know, if I wasn't paid to work for the church, would I go? I had to really start searching my own heart. And I'm asking you guys to search your heart on this. That Jesus is saying, you're the salt of the earth. I'm sending you. Secondly, you're called to keep your saltiness. Matthew 5.13, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Listen to this. He says, It is no longer 
good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. No longer good for anything. Wow. Jesus says, if you lose this, this flavor, this, this dynamic, this, this quality about you, that you're sent, you're no longer good to the mission of Christ. That's sobering. But those are the words of our Lord. We know this, but are we really living it? Are we really doing it? Or are we choosing to disobey? And if we do choose to disobey, what does that mean to us? Is God just going to give us a pass as a church? Is God just going to give us a pass as an individual? Salt loses its saltiness only one way. Do you know what that is? Water. It's the only way it can lose its saltiness. It's a very strong compound. It's an ionic bond. But it only loses its saltiness through one way, being watered down. Jesus says if you get watered down, you're not good for anything. That's sobering to me. I took that one between the eyes, like, whoa. Because I'm wrestling with my heart. I'm wrestling with my motivation. With my, my calling to the Great Commission. My calling to Jesus to being sent. And I feel provoked by God. He says, you're, you're, you're good for nothing. You're, you're, you're not useful for anything if you lose this saltiness. The Word of God gets watered down. That's how we lose our saltiness. When the Word of God gets watered down in your life. Do you have your Bible with you today? Are you taking notes? Or have you heard this one before? Is the Word of God getting watered down in your life? You know, we've got to stay sensitive to the Word of God. In Luke 14, when Jesus shares this about the salt losing its saltiness, He's saying some really strong stuff in context. He's saying you've got to die to your life. You've got to hate your life. You've got to be willing to give up everything. You've got to completely surrender your life. And then he says, if salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. So he puts it all in one train of thought. It's a call of discipleship. And he says, if you have ears to hear, listen. Are we listening? Are we listening? It's a lifestyle. Being a disciple outside of church. When was the last time you sat in a Bible study with someone who was lost and shared the scriptures with them? When was the last time you set up to have a quiet time with someone who's studying in your ministry, not just in your group, but you saw this is somebody who's studying the Bible in my ministry. I'm going to take the initiative to influence, to, to spread myself out, to open my schedule up, to get up early before work and go meet with them for coffee, to take my lunch break, to invite them to my home. But I'm going to spread myself out. I'm going to spread myself out. When was the last time you went for it with your family members? Pray for me. I'm going to go for it with some of my family members this holiday. It's challenging. It scares me. But I'm going to go for it. I'm being sent. Just a couple of practicals. Keeping your salt. Season your conversations with salt. Ask questions. Dig deep. You're there to fertilize the soil of that person's heart. At your workplace, in your family time, 
in your in your your apartment complex, your neighbors, but season your conversations with salt. Talk to your spouse, Mary's ministry, family ministry, empty nesters. Talk with your spouse about how to get involved with missions work. How to be sent. Find out who's studying the Bible in your ministry instead of time to encourage and pray with them. Open your home and life up to your co-workers and, and have them over for hospitality. Just have some strangers in your house to have dinner. You would be surprised at how influential just your family can be. And you'll my, my, my family's kind of a mess. We're a little all over the place. But you'd be surprised how influential your family can be. Your marriage can be. Your conversation, your interest in a person. You're salting them. You're not assaulting them. You're salting them. You guys with me? Have a salted conversation with your family member this holiday. I want you to think right now. Who's, who's not a Christian in my family? Who do I need to talk with? Who have I gone for it in the past, but I haven't gone there again in a long time? Who do I need to just put it on the line one more time and just say, Grandma, or Mom, or Dad, or Hey Sis, how's it going? How's your relationship with God? When's the last time you read your Bible? But go for it with your family this holiday. Are you guys with me? You're the salt of the earth. God is sending you to prepare the hearts of men for His Word. And as Jesus says, have salt in yourselves. Thank you guys.